Hello and welcome to the Wolves Report. I'm Ryan Lester and thank you for joining us for episode 76, where tonight we'll analyse the Bournemouth game, analyse the players, talk about dark arts and trusting the officials, take your questions and look ahead to Saturday's tea time game against Newcastle United. To help guide me through the show, we have our ever-reliable captain in the form of the fence-sitter that he is, Mark Nock, and we've spent the whole of the autumn budget on him, bringing in BBC WM's Daz Hale. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Thanks for inviting me on. Thank you for coming, gentlemen. Um, I don't know if this wasn't part of the show, but if anyone who has seen Gary O'Neill, um, his, his little bit he did on uh, Monday Night Football, I'd love to see your comments, um, if you want to include them. Obviously, it's the live show, so we'll get those ones going up on there. But if you don't, I highly recommend it. It's a fascinating piece, delving into the tactics of how we planned for Bournemouth, how he was pleased with the goals and how he wasn't pleased with other stuff. But it was a really fantastic bit. Anyway, on with the show. Down on the coast, it ended Bournemouth 1, Wolverhampton Wanderers 2. Noki, your take on Wolves' win? Obviously, couldn't be happier with the result. Um, but I thought first half was a little bit sticky. We just didn't seem to get any fluidity. I thought we struggled a little bit in midfield. There was loads of space to play in, but we weren't able to take advantage of it. Um, Neto obviously was a threat, but we didn't really get the ball to him as much as we should. We seemed to be coming down our left instead of down our right. And it just we just weren't able to get going. We were creating opportunities, but we just we just didn't look like we were going to score other than Neto in the post and gave away a really, really poor goal. Um Totty's out of position, out Norris caught at field. They've got an overload and, and we get punished for that. But the reaction to that, I thought, was excellent. You know, came out for the second half. Really well taken goal by Cunha. Um, I think the substitutions were all excellent. I think he got them all right, other than Kalajic. I maybe would have brought him on slightly earlier. But Doyle, I think, changed the game for us. Um, I've not seen too much of him that's, that's really impressed me so far. But I think he, we, we can see now what kind of game he needs to play in because he had all the space to work in. He was controlling possession. He was finding them passes. And he just put a little bit of a, of a calming influence on the game. I've seen a few people have called it a bit of a, a Neves-esque performance. And I, I, I kind of agree with that because he was able to really dictate play for us. Um, really, really good equaliser. Great finish by Cunha. Another assist for for Neto, and then to win it in the way we did, I thought was was absolutely superb. So th there was a lot of real positives to take from the game, in particular the fact that we actually came back under Gary O'Neill from a losing position, which we haven't managed to do as of yet. And I think it just felt like a really, really big win that did. I mean, you lose that game, and suddenly you're, you're looking over your shoulder again, and to come back in the way that we did, and and the red cards helped, but regardless of Huang's antics, it's you put your head into someone, it's a red card. and and But I think the game is already on the turn at that point because we looked like we were gaining a little bit of control. So really pleased. Two fantastic goals and an and absolutely massive three points. Daz, it, it wasn't the best of first halves, but I've seen people sort of having a bit of a panic. I didn't think Wolves played that badly in the first half and I thought they were a little bit unfortunate to go the break in the goal down. Yeah, it was... Um, I mean, by the way, that's the match I saw that Nokia's just described. That was pretty much how I saw it as well. Um, yeah, I mean, against fine margins, isn't it? If that one goes in instead of smacking off the woodwork, then Wolves probably carry on and go two or three up by half-time because yeah. I think Bournemouth's confidence is so fragile. But they get that moment. They get something to hang on to. But again, you have to credit Gary O'Neill and for the changes he made. He realised what that there were problems. He realised that he wasn't quite working with... Uh, the two in the middle of the park with, Dor with Gomez and Traore, so we changed it. 
Uh, and it was a massive stroke, and I agree with you. I think once we got back to 1-1, we'll never know now, but I think we'd have probably gone on to win the match anyway because it was one-way traffic after that. And as regards Wang, it got nutted in the face. Now, whether it, you know, if, 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 if the referee hadn't sent him off and VAR, knowing that VAR are like with Wolves, hadn't have intervened and that he'd have carried on and they'd have won the match and he'd, everyone would go, well, why the hell didn't Wang go down? He was nutted. He went down. The players apologised. He knows he was in the wrong. So I've got no issue with that whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a section later on. You have to play to the dark arts. And unfortunately, I said we are going to cover it later on. But the football's in a place now where if you get fouled, you have to make the most of it. If you're receiving a foul, you have to make the most of it to get to make sure it shouldn't be that way. But can you trust the officials? But we'll talk about it later on. Um, Noki, it was a bit of a disappointing goal to concede, as you mentioned. Um, Gary O'Neill explained it better than I ever will on, on Monday Night Football. Wolves got pulled out of shape, I think, because Bournemouth had the two, the, the double pivot and not the one. And they were a bit outnumbered and there wasn't a bit confused in their press. So he admitted that and he wasn't really sure of what was happening. But on a more positive note, Wolves' equalising goal was absolutely outstanding. It, it was excellent, yeah. And, and I think it's that performance was kind of... Cunha in a nutshell. He was so frustrating in the first half. He he seemed to have his toys out the pram a little bit and not not affecting the game at all and, and seemed really frustrated. But there's such a good player there that you've just got to you've got to get it out of him. And I thought second half, some of the flicks, some of the runs and and the finish, it showed you the kind of player that it, that he can be and he can live up to that that really massive price tag. But I think you know that there's so much to to look at from that goal. I mean, the initial break of a play. The ball, I think, from Doyle, which takes out their entire midfield, and Neto does what Neto does, which is run and beat people. And then it's a really intelligent pass as well. I think a lot of players probably slash at that from there and have a pop at goal, whereas he plays it through. And it's, it, you know, he doesn't even have to break stride, does he, Cunha? It's just a, it's it on the run, and, and it's a fabulous finish into the top corner. And I think those are the kind of goals that you'll get from Cunha when he hasn't got too much time to think about it. I think if he has to sit there and consider what he's going to do or he's one-on-one with the keeper he's, he's a little bit hesitant whereas with this one it's instant I've got to hit it bang it's straight in the top corner so you could see what it meant to him and, and I think he's becoming a little bit of a fan's favourite he's clearly got a bit of a connection with the supporters um, he he gets us is the way it feels to me and he wants to be here and I think he's, he's got you know a little bit of court hero about him already so th- there's definitely a really really good footballer in there we've just got to try and get the consistency out of him I think he's hit the nail on the head just talking about um, the fact how significant it is as well. It was the first time Wolves have come from behind. And I really, I, I think now that the whole landscape changed with the Manchester City game. Now, in fairness, yeah. he, he was forced to change the way we, we didn't, well, he, he changed the way we were playing at Luton after half an hour after the red card and we went to a back three. And that just, even though it felt like a poor result at the time, they went and won at Everton the week after and they're not in the bottom three. So it perhaps wasn't that bad a point anyway. But I think the whole, the Manchester City thing, it wasn't just the fact that Wolves beat Manchester City. It was the fact that he'd said to them, this is the game plan. You stick to this and we'll beat them. We'll beat the best team in the world. They stuck to it and there was a huge buy-in that day not just from the players, I think from the supporters as well, and all of a sudden thought, you know what, perhaps he isn't a PE teacher. And I think that has changed the whole mood around the club. They buy in that, they believe, they trust this manager now. They trust him and his methods. And even on Saturday, they were losing 1-0 at half-time. There were no teacups going. It was like, okay, just stick with the plan, believe in the plan, we'll change a couple of things. And it's you can see there's a massive... 
the whole mindset around the club has changed now. And um, it's, I think everyone's just settled because it was a horrible summer. Horrible with all the talk about FFP and everybody else was signing players and Lopetegui playing out his exit strategy in public. And it was awful. And then an awful start to the season results wise. And everyone was quite rightly panicking. But you can see now that it's settled down. There's confidence, there's belief. And already seven points clear of the bottom three. Already. And pardon me for rattling on. Uh, four, four unbeaten, eight points. Last season, it took Wolves 16 matches to get to this this many uh, many points, 11 points, this many points. That was the win at Everton in Lopetegui's first match. Wolves have scored 11 goals. It took Wolves 18 games to score 11 goals last season. So it shows already the progress that's been made uh, in, in with a bloke who hasn't had a pre-season and he was on the beach three days before the, before the first match at Manchester United, literally on the beach in Portugal. Fantastic stats there from BBC WM's Daz Hale. Um, what, what we were saying this off air, and I think it's fair to mention it because there has been a crossover. He was getting a fair amount of criticism from this show and from outside. But if you've drawn at Luton and you've and you've given up a comfortable lead at Ipswich. You deserve the criticism, so maybe it was disrespectful in terms of the terminology. But I think the criticism was fair at the time. Would you? Would you both agree that that's fair? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was I was quite vocal about him, as you know. But I, I love my football club, so I'm absolutely delighted to be to be proven wrong if I am proven wrong. And it certainly looks at the moment like he's doing that. And I think Daz is absolutely spot on. I think we all maybe get a little bit impulsive and, and react when things don't go right for the club. But when you look at the whole the bigger picture of it, where he came in, how long he had to work with the club. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, we we know our players. We know what we think they can do. He doesn't because he's coming from a, a completely foreign position. So to to settle down and do what he's done. And I think when you look at the start we've had, the teams that we've had to play, it's been an absolutely horrific start. So to have eked out this amount of points and to be playing some actually quite nice football as well. I mean, this isn't kick and rush. This isn't just mm -hmm. lump it forward and hope it lands. This is quality. And we saw that in the in the corner with Huang and Cunha and Aitnori when they, they ran rings around Bournemouth. And if Neto finishes that, it's, you know, it shirts off for going home. Mm -hmm. It's just, I think that there's there's a real, and I think Daz has nailed it, there's a real belief now. I think the players, he's cleared out some of the players who you think would maybe have those personalities that wouldn't suit, kind of like your... Um, Nunes players like that. He's got players in there who want to play for the club now, and you can you can see that. And they do trust him. They trust his staff. And we've got some we've got some angry people on the bench now in Sean Derry, which I absolutely love. And we've got some players on the pitch who were, who were just born winners. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, humble pie. Something I'm absolutely delighted to wait for well, football clubs doing well. But it's it's not about humble pie either. Is it? We call it as you see. It's the same on the football phone. You can only react to what's happening now and to what you've just watched. And it's perfectly fair to criticise a bad performance, just as... But there's no fear or favour, there's no agenda. You just call it as you see it. And when they're doing badly... Because let's face it, even Gary O'Neill, after the Ipswich game, speaking to, I think it was Mike Taylor, he actually said, you know, I know I need results in the short term to be able to do what I want to do in the long term. He, know, he knew, which is what made the Manchester City performance and result and game plan even more commendable. And you've got to remember as well who he was following. An elite manager, you know, Spain manager, Real Madrid manager. He was box office and he was a huge favourite with the supporters. So he was always going to be up against it. But he's knuckled down and he's made a terrific job of it so far. And you just feel like 
he's settled now, getting those results and those performances. The players have settled, the fans have settled, and that fractious edge that was there, bubbling under the surface, for now, has gone. If they go and lose the next four, it'll be back again quite well. But that's football. But yeah. it feels now as if progress is being made. And defensively as well, I mean, they're a lot tighter at the back than they were. And it, look, if you said to me before the season started, you'll finish fourth bottom, I'd have taken that. Well, they need seven more wins from the next 29 matches and they'll be, they'll be safe. So they've given themselves a real good chance now of trying to get to the 32-33, which is all they'll need this season. And then get, as soon as you can get that, then go on and enjoy the rest of the season. Probably win the FA Cup as well. How about that? Unbelievably, that's one of the questions that's got <laughs> on as well. Um, what, what's been striking to me the last few games um, is, I know he wants a possession, he wants to control the ball, but how quickly we've moved the ball forwards. Like, for example, the equalising goal, Doyle picked the ball up, forward pass, Neto, forward run, forward pass, goal, three passes, bang, 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 gone, goal. Now, isn't it refreshing? I understand I want to retain possession, but if you're direct and don't give your opponent a chance to think, lucky, just going through like that, opening up a side, granted it's Bournemouth, but that's a goal. He picks Doyle's pass in midfield to pick between the two players. He's it's a Man City kind of pass. He's taking the risk in midfield because he believes in himself. Neto backed himself. He's cut inside. You're thinking Neto's shot, but he's pinged it a, a perfect pass it and Kuna with a, a world-class finish. Yeah, I think sometimes you can pass for the sake of passing. You know, I want to see us pass with a plan. And sometimes you don't have to knock it round the back. You don't have to do 15, 20 passes to get into their half. Sometimes the ball is in front of you and that's exactly what Doyle saw. He saw a ball to Neto and he took it and he was doing that the whole the whole second half, really. I think he's a player who, in those kind of games, he's probably ideal for it. Because I, I felt like we missed Lamina in the first half. I think we missed yeah. his his intelligence and his strength. And Gomez definitely missed him because he's a different player with Lamina next to him. But when you bring someone, someone like Doyle, it gives you a completely different dynamic. And he, he was... He was passing sideways, but it was intelligent sideways passes. He was retaining possession. He was slowing it down, but in a positive way because he was looking for those options. And yeah, I'm, I'm all for. So if you need to whack it downfield, you need to whack it downfield. But everything we did was was with a purpose, and it was it was just intelligent intelligent passing through midfield. And you win a midfield battle, you're probably going to win the match, and that's exactly what we did in the second half. I think the other thing as well, isn't it, is that if you're a defender. What do you want Pedro Neto to do when he's got the ball? Or what do you want Wang to do? Or what do you want Cunha to do? You don't want them driving at you. And they're yeah. being encouraged now. Every time they get the ball, they run. And, and it's positive. And it doesn't matter if you lose it. You're going to lose it sometimes. But that's what you want. And he gets you further up the field. Mm. Of course, all sorts of problems doing it as well. So I think that's made a big, big difference to them. Also, the amount of players they're getting in the penalty area which is the most they've been getting in the penalty area for years, more than they were getting in under Nuno, certainly under Bruno and under, under Jalo. And it's even got to the point where they're leaving Pedro Neto up on the halfway line from corners. Yeah. Which I've been yeah. saying ever since I was like a little kid. Yeah. If you leave one up, they're going yeah, to absolutely. leave well, They have to leave two then. Off. They have to leave two then. So it's about and being brave to, to counter them because not many teams, unless it's the last minute of a game, are going to leave a one-on-one -on -one situation, particularly with Pedro Neto. An um, outball in it as well. So. Does, Moving on to the winning goal, um, there's a stroke of fortune about it, but if you don't pounce when opportunity strikes, then you're not going to get it. So I'm going to credit Wolves for pressing, being alive and taking the opportunity. And in the end, the, the link play between Wangi Chan, the little run, the little dink over after picking up Bubakar's pass and the finish from Kalajic was fantastic. Daz? Yeah, and you know what? 
I was waiting for VAR to rule it out for a foul. Yeah, close, didn't it? It looked close. Uh, and if and if, if the referee had, had had ruled that one out, they wouldn't have overturned it. No. So I was thinking, here we go, here we go. Um, but it, it, I don't think it was a foul. And again, you know, the nice little touch into him and the finish was just composed, wasn't it? It was caught, it was clinical, and it was again a lot of people have probably just panicked or hammered it. He just like literally just caressed it into the back of the net and. He's, and I know we'll probably come on and talk about him later, but he's becoming a real asset. Probably the best you will get out of him for now is as the impact player. But it's not an 11-man game anymore. It's, it's no. a minimum 16-man game now. With, every, with, every with the five subs. Play. Yeah, with, yeah. The, with, with the five subs now, it's very much a squad game. People are getting managed after an hour. You can afford to make an early change if it's not going well. So it is very much a squad game. Um and also, Sasa Kalajic, 38 minutes of Premier League football, one goal every 19 minutes. Come on, Shearer, where are you? Anyway. Um, and he had his face punched in at Manchester United. Yeah. And that's that another point, by the way, that Gary O'Neill, the Wolves players, the Wolves staff, would have could have done absolutely nothing at all differently to what they've done every second this season. And Wolves should have had three more points if yeah. the officials had not had just done their jobs properly. You think yeah. if... Providing we put the penalty away at Man United, you know, but if we assume they put the penalty away at Man United, the Luton penalty, Wolves would be on 14 points now and wouldn't have done anything any differently to what they've done. Yeah, we're after, well, I mean, we're going to talk about that after we've gone through the players, but we, we do still feel short change. And I, I always repeat this. I don't want treating differently. I just want to be treated the same. And I think we're all, we're all want that in Premier League officiating. Moving on now to the player analysis, which we do now each week. And um, we go through the team. Uh, Noki, your take on Jose Sarr's performance didn't have much to do, did he? I don't think he had much to do. No, I mean, he, he's certainly not responsible for the goal. It, you know, it's a good, it's a good finish. To be fair, he's, he's took it off the instep and buried it. But I don't think he had a lot to do. Um, everything he did, he did well. He was commanding from corners. He was, you know, any shot that did come in, he was behind it. He was controlled. There was none of this panicking, launching the ball at field like he's done in, in previous games. It was just a really, really solid performance. And I think he's, the last few games, he's he's, he's looked really, really good. He's, he's got back to the form he had in his first season at Wolves. So, yeah, he didn't have to do much, but everything he did do, he did really well. Yeah, I thought those in front of him protected him really well. Um, moving on to Max Kilman, Daz, a very, very solid and quite a creative yeah. performance from Max Kilman. Yeah, he's beginning to, I think he's regained his confidence again now and we used the word earlier about people having just settled. I think the goalkeeper's settled now that he's got a settled back line in front of him and it's it's not quite... And I know that Neil Cutler's worked a fair bit with, with Jose Sarr as well. And Max Kilman and Craig Dawson have just looked so much better when they've had the extra player alongside them. And I think Kilman now is just growing and growing into the season and he's beginning to look a lot more like the player that we know that he is because I think he had a really difficult first few weeks of the season when Wolves were just far too open and he was being him and Dawson were both being exposed weren't they for the lack of pace but now he's assured now and um yeah it's again I think it's just confidence and belief and just everyone's just calmed down a little bit now. Nocky moving on to the best three and a half million pounds ever spent in modern human history Craig Dawson. Another very good performance who's solid um Again, the, the back line didn't have all that much to do. I don't think Bournemouth would were too much threat, but Solanke's always going to be a goal threat because he, you know, he scores goals. I think he's got four or five this season already from a team that's struggling. So they're going to cause you problems. But again, he was he was imperious. He was solid in the tackle, strong in the air, didn't give them anything. Um, and again, he wasn't at fault for the goal. So yeah, another good performance. 
one thing I like about Dawson, I know people say, well, how long will we have him for? I mean, you'll probably remember him more from your coverage at, at WM, Daz. Craig Dawson's never been quick. He's always no. been that player that stops. So when a player's never been quick, I feel like, and they rely on their place, you can always go along. He's intelligent. He's aggressive. He's a far better footballer than I haven't given him credit for. That, that sort of Cody-esque role when he can spray it left and right. I mean, I can't sing enough positives about him. Three and a half million. What an addition. It's, again, he just looks assured again now. And he's the most vocal one of those at the back. And by the way, when he when he was at Albion, you know, he used to take the penalties for England under 21. So I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing Cooney will be on it if we ever get one. But he took one at Celtic. <laughs> but I reckon like there could be some sort of situation like there was at Chelsea at the weekend when Dawson was saying, give it here. <laughs> just scored quite a few penalties for England. Yeah, I think that was one of the, the, the quizzes that he scored a few goals. I think he scored yeah, like yeah. four goals from the 21s and it, com- it confused the whole podcast. It confused me and I asked the question. <laughs> um, uh, Daz, what, we'll stick on you with Toti Gomez. Um, when he's running with the ball, Tyler described him as like a fridge falling down the stairs. He didn't know what was going to happen next. But this is this this is the guy that man-marked Phil Foden out of the game. He man-marked Diaby's, Villa's Diaby out of the game. And he, he's part of a team that's won again. Yeah. And, he, you know, and yeah, I mean, I was going to mention the Diaby, who's been, he's been abs- I mean, absolutely on fire, but he never got a kick today. And he literally did man mark at the weekend. Yet he went to sleep for the goal. He was, he was pulled out of position a little bit. He's still a little bit raw, but he's got everything. He's got all the attributes. He's yeah. got pace. He's got athleticism. I think he reads the game pretty well. Uh, but sometimes when his pace will get him out of trouble. But I think his concentration levels have improved a lot more this season. Uh, hence, you're talking about Foden and Derby. There was a few times last season when he came into the team, again, because he was raw, where maybe he'd go off. And I think Gary O'Neill's talked a fair bit about some players going off the plan, doing their own thing, yeah. where it just seems a little bit more disciplined now. And players will make mistakes. But O'Neill said before that if someone makes a mistake, trying to implement the game plan. He's, I've got no problem with that. It's going to happen. It's when they go off and just go go rogue that it's going to be an issue. So I think it's, it's, they've been a better team since he's come back into it the last few weeks, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'll get blasted for this because, I mean, I was a massive advocate for four at the back. I just thought it would offer a lot more. But I don't think now, maybe it was, it's not, it wasn't the back three that was the issue. It was the way they were playing, and it was it was it was a lot of ball ball, and it was slow and boring. Well, it's and personnel that you've got, isn't it? Mm. It's, well, it's who you've got available. And also, I'm talking about under at the end of Nuno playing three at the back, not before, but not not now. But there's with with those back three, Noki. There's a they're all complement each other. They're all good in different ways. There's there's strength. There's I mean, there's a lot of air, aerial strength. Toti's quick. Max is probably one of the best natural footballers at the club, and Dawson's just a pure defender. Yeah, I think it was it was kind of slightly boring with Nuno towards the end because it was a little bit more reserved. We were very reliant on Jimenez, Traore and Jota. We didn't really look too much in midfield other than Neves to score goals for us and we, we, were, we were quite deep. This is a lot more attacking. I feel like everyone plays sort of five, ten yards further up the pitch and we look like and we are scoring more goals at the moment. So if you've got a settled back three and it's it, you look at Dawson, you look at Kilman. And I think they need three around them. I think they look better players with yeah. three. And I mean, Totti coming in, it just gives you that little bit of resilience, you know, just slightly to the left. Yeah. It allows Aitnori Nori and Samedo to bomb on. Yeah. And I think when you've got Lamina and Gomez sitting in front of them back two as well, you've got you've got to be confident, especially if you're Jose Sarr and you've got all that in front of you supporting you. But then when we do break, we break with speed and we break with power and, and we, we're directing what we want to do as well. So th- people look at three at the back. And the reason we wanted to get out of it you know, we've been all been advocates for this on this podcast because 
you want to score more goals, but playing three at the back, you're going to play three, four, three, however you're going to work the system. It can be a really attacking formation if you play it right. And he seems to find a nice little balance at the moment. And we are scoring goals as well. I think that's, yeah. was, it, was it 11 for the season we've got, which is yeah. really good return. Every time we go forward. Yeah. And there's not many, I can't think of many games we haven't scored in. You know, we've got the United Man game. United, and that, and that was it, wasn't it? And that, that's when we should have had the penalty anyway. So. Yeah. So that's a hell of an achievement in this division if you're scoring goals in almost every game. Uh, Noki, moving on to the wing-back start with Matt Doherty for you. I thought he was quite solid. He had a, he had a pretty decent game. Um, didn't get up the pitch the way that he used to, obviously, in his first stint, because I just I don't think he's got he's got the legs for that at the moment. But relatively solid, dealt with their wide threat really well. Um, just just a, a solid seven out of ten, really. Nothing too special about it. But he was just organised and he was he was good defensively, which is uh, which is where we needed him to be because we had all the attacking down the other side. And I, and I know. Matt Doherty's probably not the Matt Doherty three four years ago. I know he played international football, and I'm not sure he was 100 percent uh, coming into the game. Well, he wasn't, and, and I, I think I think the message did deny the day before the game. And Gary O'Neill came out and said he actually had two fitness tests on Saturday with his groin, and he was in pain, but he wanted to play. And so, yeah, credit to him, uh, and he did a job for the team, and. You know, again, because if he hadn't played, then it probably had to have been Johnny there, who I think we're all realised now that he's Premier League days really are behind him. And it's interesting because a couple of times after the game on Saturday in different interviews, Gary O'Neill just for the first time dropped in the fact that the squad was perhaps a little bit light and he needed some additions. And you know, this normally well, happens when managers start doing well, again, it. Well, again, he wants to put your shopping list up for Christmas. Go well, on, he's right, because again, I mean, we've seen Santi Bueno for whatever it was at Ipswich. I'm not convinced that he's going to be any, well, he's how far away he'll be, but they need another centre-back because if they have an injury to any of these three, then what happens? Again, if Doherty didn't make it on Saturday, then... You know, and, and so this, I mean, they're still a bit light in certain areas, and so we're only two or three inches away from being in a bit of a bit hairy again. I would suggest. Um, while we're still on you, Daz Ryan Aitnori, for, for me, I mean, I know some of the players regard him as one of the best dribblers in the squad, a real talent. Probably don't get the best out of him at fullback, but this is a position that he can make his own because that kid is blessed. And when he goes with the ball, that little that little triangle in the second half, a little flick. Mm-hmm. Player that wants to express himself high up the pitch, and he's a player that's got history of stopping the likes of Mo Salah. So for me, a fantastic performance. What do you think, Das? He's a bowler, isn't he? And he's I know they've pushed him further forward on, on occasion as well. And it looks as if his days were numbered at Wolves because, like Raul at the end of last season, he wasn't getting in squads, and the manager had publicly hung him out to dry and suggested he wasn't didn't have the right attitude and so he looks like a completely new lease of life now. You've got to remember, he's still not that old and he's just progressing. And I think he, he could go on and be as good as anybody in that position because he's he's got the pace, he's got a wonderful touch. But I think defensively, again, concentration-wise, he's beginning to get... He's not perfect, but I think he's improving, which is all you can ask, isn't it, really? Yeah, fantastic player. Uh, Noki, moving on to Bubakar Troyoro, who I thought was probably in the first half the weaker of the midfield pairing. So at half-time, I've got to say, if there was a change, I thought it would have been Bubakar coming off. I don't know if Joe Gomez had a knock and that was probably the thinking behind that. But it was a surprise. But Bubakar looked more comfortable when partnering with Doyle in the second half. If memory serves, I think he got 
book didn't he Gomez which might be why he hooked him at half time um, I thought Bubakov was a bit lost in the first half I don't think it was the sort of game for him he likes a game where he's going to have to really play with high energy and there's not going to be a lot of space to play and he's going to wrap round break up break up play break up possession and and just similar to Lamina really break it up and then give it to the more attacking players so I think he was a little bit clumsy in the first half didn't really it just didn't seem to suit him but Fair play to him. He came out second half with a real good performance, was involved in the winning goal as well, played an intelligent ball through to Huang. And he just settled down, but I think he settled down when he had Doyle because they had he wasn't doing the same job as Gomez. He knew what his job was at that point, so he had more areas to cover to allow Doyle to play. So definitely grew into the game second half. And, and again, he's a very young lad, um, but I think there's bags of potential there. I think he'll be a very good footballer. Yeah, just picking up on your point, it was great to see him so high up for the goal. So yeah. obviously, uh, Sasha's work for Bubakar to be picking it up just behind the forwards after a goal kick late on in the game, that's real positivity. Um, Daz, um, I'm going to give you two players. Obviously, Joe Gomez, the first half, and, and Tommy Doyle, the second half. Well, yeah, and it's right. It wasn't working, was it? Whether it's because they were... Sometimes it's just you get these partnerships, don't you? And we know that um, with Gomez and Lamina, they've really worked out I mean, again, some certain games suit them better than other games. And you, could, I understand it looked like, we were talking about it on the football phone, and it looked like just like a no-brainer, really, didn't it? Traore just comes in for Lamina. But the, the dynamic wasn't quite right, so credit to the manager for changing it. And I know a lot of Sheffield United supporters were really raving about Tommy Doyle and what quality footballer he is. And we had, we'd literally just seen little bits from him, haven't we, so far? So it was his first real opportunity just to lay down a bit of a marker and it just gives Wolves just something a little bit different and as Naki said there are some sort of um, comparisons it's the same style of footballer as Neves so credit to him that he took his opportunity credit to the manager that he, he realised he needed to do it and it gives him something to think about for this weekend now doesn't it? You are listening and watching episode 76 of the Wolves Report with BBC WM's Daz Hale, club captain Mark Nock and myself, Ryan Lester, analysing the team at the moment. Nocky, moving on to the forward three. Um, I mean, I was saying man of the moment, but that could probably describe all of them at the moment. Um, Pedro Neto, another dangerous display from a man that is booming with confidence. I don't think we got in the ball to him enough in the first half uh, because he, he looked like he had their four back on toast and, and the little run he did when he hit the post and he skipped past two players like they weren't even there. He's It was a real strong... He just looked like he was dangerous every time he had the ball and second half he kept going. And I think if, if I've got one criticism of, of Neto, he doesn't score enough goals. You know, he should have finished the opportunity when we, we play some champagne football down the left yeah. and he just doesn't score enough for me. And if he starts doing that, then you can be batting back some really big offers from him. But he was involved in the goal again. I think that's what six assists now. Um, he's confident. He's driving at people. He's doing everything that we knew he could do, but he'd stopped doing for two seasons through injury. And yeah, a real solid performance and involved in a winning goal again. So he's going from strength to strength. Yeah, his confidence is so good. From from a player that we'd not criticised, but we'd questioned early on in the podcast in the season, we were saying, Pedro, please just take your man on, believe in yourself. He gets the ball now and all he wants to do. And the manager's backed him. Take it. If you don't, if if you lose it, so be, be brave, risk it. And it looks fantastic. Um, Daz, moving on to the man of the moment, assist this week, usual goals, Huang Hee Chan. Incredible, isn't it? Because you think about getting on for a year ago, the Newcastle home game, where I think it was 1-1, wasn't it? And he, or was the 1-0 up at the time? And he, he, yeah, 1-0 up. Was, 
Or was Coe yeah. Collins with Steve Herman? That's it. And they equalised yeah. and he'd missed some chances and he kept getting injured and he kept thinking, why? I just can't see it with this bloke. I'm not... And he goes away to the World Cup, scores, and I don't know what that did to him, but he's a completely different player now. And now he is now a bona fide Premier League footballer. Absolutely. And before, when you'd say, oh, Leeds are interested in him, I think I'd drive him there myself. Yeah, I think we all said you that. can see it now. And he's an intelligent footballer as well. And, but well, um, all three managers who've had him now have all said the same, that he understands the game plan. And But he worked so hard. And I just hope he's okay after that, that knocking on the head. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I mean we'll, we'll talk about it afterwards, but he's played his part in it and, 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 I'm, and I'm delighted. And his little clipped pass yeah. in the last minute to clip it over the defender, to have the intelligence to play Sasha in, marvellous. Oh, as well, yeah. to do that. Yeah. To do that late on in the game, to, to trust yourself. Not a little side, but a little dink over the top. Fantastic. Um, knocking... I think that's the difference with him now, though, isn't it? I think before he was likely to score you a goal, but he wouldn't do anything else. But now he's contributing to the whole game defensively in attack. He's getting assists and he's adapted really well to what, you know, O'Neill wants him to do. And he, he just looks, that says he looks a proper Premier League footballer. Mm -hmm. um, just jumping onto a, a comment here that's just tickled me. Um, someone's talking about Tyler. Um, yeah, he's having a bit of a sit down. Um, somebody go and get Tyler out of the loop. He's been on there two hours now. Hopefully he'll be, he'll be, out, he'll be out soon and back off the end of the show. <laughs> Thank you, Adrian. Um, uh, Noki, I think it's on to you. Moving on to Matthias Cunha. Um, that finish was absolutely fantastic. I think you mentioned it earlier on. Most footballers are at their best in front of goal when they don't have any time to think. That was an instinct finish. That was the finish of a £40 million footballer. It was. And as I said, I don't think first half he really contributed too much of the game. He, he, he cut a bit of a forlorn figure, really. He, he couldn't impact it at all. Um, and I don't think he's a natural finisher. And I mean that with all the respect in the world, I think he's, he's a guy who will create you opportunities more than score them. But that was just an instinctive swipe of the foot and he's absolutely buried it. And I do think he's, he, there's potentially a really, really good footballer there. I like the position he's playing in now, I think, where Lopetegui couldn't recognise it. O'Neill has that he needs to play a little bit deeper where he can really affect the game and he's doing that and he's picking up those pockets of space and he's driving forward now. And second half, I thought he was really influential in the game and I don't mind players having a bad first half if they bounce back and react to it the way he did in the second half and really knuckle down and, and contribute to the team. So I think he's, he's pretty pivotal to us, even though I don't think he'll get as many goals. If he breaks sort of six or seven this season, I'll be absolutely delighted. But I think he's all-round game. He's very, very important for us. But, I mean, if, if these numbers continue, Neto's assists, Wang's goals and Cunha doing a bit of both, it'll be a fantastic season because they've Absolutely, all set the bar yeah. really high. Uh, last but not least is Sasa Kalajic, who I'm going to talk about. Um, I don't know if any of those have seen the documentary on him so far. Sasa seems like a genuinely good human. He's had no luck. He's come over here. Uh, it's quite an emotional sort of the documentary. I've only seen part one and part two. I'm not sure if, if part three is out. If yet he's out, I haven't seen it. I think it might be actually, but I've, I've not seen that. But for someone that's, Two meters tall, six foot seven, six foot eight. You're expecting someone just to bladder balls into them to flick it on. Sasa Kalajic is a very tidy footballer as well. 38 minutes of Premier League football, two goals, two winning goals, one in the 90th minute, one in the 88th minute. I couldn't be more pleased for him. And to have that composure again, though, like Cunha, when you haven't got a chance to think about it, 
bang, it's a goal. He's opened his body up, Austrian international, and just caressed it in the corner. It was a lovely goal, and I'm absolutely delighted for him. Uh, any boys got a comment on, on Kolaitic? Yeah, he's got a goal in him, isn't he? Simple as that. And I mean, he, he played, I think he had one shot against Blackpool and scored as well. And I know he got his header against Everton or came off, well, came off summer to Everton to score. Is he, yeah? He's got, he's got yeah, yeah, different sort of goals and he is intelligent. And I'm guessing probably see more of him after Christmas if he can stay fit and they can really get his levels up. Because I know that that's one thing Gary O'Neill kept saying that he's, he's from the way Wolves want to play, he, he was. His levels are way off as, as regards what he needs. But the only way you do that is by just keep getting on the training ground and just getting more minutes and more minutes on the pitch. But he's already contributing and he's already scored more Premier League goals than the others we had last season, hasn't he? He's been on the pitch for half an hour. So he's I'm got not, a goal in him. He's, he's just a different, yeah, it's just a different, goal. A different option, isn't it, for us? Yeah, I, I like him. I think he can link the play. Um, there's some questions coming later on about it as well. What we'll answer them? But I'm I'm delighted for him. Obviously, I'm delighted well, for one the... of the questions. Is can you can, can you spell it? As long as that ain't one of the questions, then I'll be <laughs> all right. Yes, yeah, so I can. If I, can't, I probably can't even do that by the end of the show. Um, the, the next section I wanted to talk about was particularly in reference to um, the red card. Uh, Huang Yi Chan um, Cook got sent off, um, and in terms of the dark arts and what's involved in the modern game and trusting the officials. And there's a bit of back and forth on Twitter. There's a lot of fans outside Wolves that were quite critical of, of Huang's reaction. Now, I don't know about any of you boys, but if someone whacks their forehead in my face, um, it, it's going to hurt. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a shock. Now, as I think, as Daz alluded to earlier on, let's say he doesn't go down and he just, it's a head to head. Then both players get booked. You have to make the most of it. Now, we might not like the game, but We've seen what happened at Man United. It wouldn't go for us. We've seen a woeful decision at Luton. We saw a, a red card at Luton from Belgarde having a bit of a brain fart. So when up, them opportunities present themselves, you have to take them. We may not like that part of the game and you may want your team to be more honourable, but that's modern day football and you have to do it. And for me, he's... Obviously, he's angry. He's been clattered. He's been, it's, it's a bad tackle. He's brought down. He's popped his shoulder on him. He's antagonised the player and he's got a red card. I'm not going to say well done because I definitely don't want that. But equally, you have to react to the moment, Does The irony of Bournemouth supporters complaining about the dark arts. The <laughs> irony of it, really. Wow. And there was contact. He did drop the nut on him. And only he knows how much it hurt. Got to be streetwise. Wolves have been far too nice, far too long. Yeah. Uh, part of the game. So he, don't don't go around headbutting people. And he and he did apologise afterwards. So he's not he's not making he, he's not no one's denying those contacts. So it's a red card. Absolutely, Noki. We all know you love a reducer, but I'm not sure we can even condone uh, Noki reducers coming from the forehead. But. <laughs> <laughs> in modern football knocker as Daz says you have to be smart he's obviously wound the player up and in football you get that you see I mean Wolves targeted uh, uh, Mateus Nunes when he came back to Molina because of his, his weaker or fragile mindset when you target certain players I'm not saying Huang targeted him Huang was genu genuinely angry because someone had booted up in the air because he's about to skin them but <sighs> thought, thought, thoughts on the modern dark arts and trusting the officials. Well, that's the second part of this. Thoughts on the dark arts, Knocker? Yeah, on with Daz. I think we've been too nice for too long. And and I was at Bournemouth when they, under Eddie Howe, and they were absolutely horrendous for this. And they got Van La Parra sent off. 
And they were an awful side. I think both games home and away, they beat us because of the, the way they played and some of the things they got up to. And it's not just Wolves doing this. I mean, Lockyer did it against Bellegarde and he, he yeah. forced a reaction by pinning his legs in. Bellegarde was stupid and it is a red card. And we said that at the time, it's a red card. Um, John McGinn, yesterday someone made a little bit of contact to his face and he went down like a sack of potatoes. So it's not something that's exclusive to Wolves. And, and Huang does do this yeah, a lot. Like, it was his own player. The funniest thing. Yeah, the funny he thing. Was like, his own player. He knew it, but then he got, he got straight back up. <laughs> Listen, it, it is part of it now. I mean, teams do this and you, you've got to be streetwise because I, I do think that there was a possibility Wolves going to win that game. But the, the overriding factor is he put his head into someone's face and he made a movement and there's contact. So he is a red card and he did make a meal out of it, but I guarantee if it was the other way around, Cook would have done exactly the same. We'd have hit the deck and rolled round. So that's the game. If you're going to do something stupid and, and Huang's done him up like a kipper in all honesty, but he's bitten and he's reacted and bang, that's it. You're off the pitch. So for me, yeah, it's, it's not a nice part of the game, but it's a part of the game that everybody's playing now. And if we don't get involved in it, we're going to get left behind. Yeah. Um, so, Whilst we're on that subject, as in terms of trusting the officials, now for me, these podcasts, football, my tweets, and just any conversations have been taken up far too much by officials, VAR, and controversy. We've seen some horrendous second tackles that haven't been yellow cards. So when these opportunities present themselves, it's a shame players have to be theatrical. Now, no, no doubt. It's a headbutt and you can see his, his head move back. It's going to hurt regardless. But in those situations, isn't it a shame that you have to con- over-convince the official that it's a foul or a penalty as opposed to them finding out because you don't trust them? Spot on. By the way, is Jurgen Klopp offered to Everton to replay the game yet? Being you see that interview? I don't know if that's a interview or not. Yeah, I see that. It's a bit funny, though, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> no, no, but look... Don't get me on the officials because actually I thought the what the ones on Saturday were okay. To be fair, yeah, well, it's, well, it's worth saying that as well, rather than just six like cards, five six yellow cards, justified fair. I thought yeah. the official did well Saturday. By the by letter of the law, but um, look, no, I, I I'm I'm afraid that my own personal opinion is that that the standard of officiating now is as is, is the worst it's ever been in my lifetime and I say call it as I see it they well done to those at the weekend but I don't trust them and uh, you can't even trust VAR to get it right as we know so it's part of the game now it's part of the game and um, you know like it or not you, you, as, as Nocky said you get left behind otherwise and there's been so many occasions in the past when Wolves players have been clipped, should have gone down. If it had gone down, he'd have got a penalty. And you don't get any, like, they won't bring you back and say, well, you were clipped, have your penalty. So you've got, well, we still don't get him when we do go down, do we? But it's where the game is in the 21st century. And you either, you, you either go, you, you basically, you have to embrace it and you have to do it. Otherwise, you're at a disadvantage. It's not nice, but it's where we're at right now. Just finish on that, Nocky. What, what does he say? Absolutely, absolutely nailed it. But you, you, you join in or you miss out, don't you? You have to be streetwise. What I would say, Nocky, it's refreshing to see Wolves now that have got a bit of null and a bit more savvy about them in those situations. We've got a bit of bite about us and, and we have been too nice for too long. And this isn't, you know, this isn't a Wolves problem. This is you know, across the world. I mean, when we were playing Italy in the, in the Euro final and 
Saka zips past their defender and he pulls his shirt off him. It's, it's just the way that football is now. You've got to you've got to be willing to to take those little hits. And I think when the standard of officiating the way it is now, you've got to make it clear that you, there's contact in those kind of situations. And it should be that if you go through and you get clipped and you stay on your feet and try and score, it should still be a penalty. But you know. 99.9 times out of 100, that's never going to be given unless you hit the deck and roll around. So, it, it, as I said, it's, it's not a nice part of the game, but it's not a new part of the game now. And we've got a bit of bite, we've got a bit of nastiness about us, we've got a bit of we'll get stuck into you now. And I'm all for it, in all honesty. And if, if that's the way the football's got to go to get us into a secure position, that's what we've got to do. Well, we're not here to make friends, we ain't got any. Nope. It feels like everyone's ganging up on us anyway, so we've got to take every advantage. Well, it's not cheating, it's just. Um, Making the, making the limitations of the game. Yeah. yeah. But let's not forget, he's head-butted him. So whatever yeah. we think about his actions after that or rolling around, that is a red card offence. And if it was the yeah. other way around, we'd be talking about how stupid Wang was to get himself sent off like that. So they can be frustrated and they can be annoyed. And I'm sure there'd be comments from, from Wolves Twitter pages if, if it was the other way around. But you have to sometimes look inward and think, well... Why did you do that? That was a stupid yeah. thing to do. You've achieved absolutely yeah. nothing. Don't was, give the opponent the opportunity to go down in exactly. any circumstance, whether it's a hand. By the way, it, it was it was it was bordering violent conduct in the first place. That the original it was challenge. a horrible tackle. Horrible, horrible tackle. You are listening and watching episode 76 of the Wars Report with BBC WM's Daz Hale and our club captain, Mark Nock. Moving on to your questions. Your questions I ask each week uh, for your contribution uh, via my Twitter um, at Mr. Ryan Lester. Thank you for so many. I've had a lot of shows flowing, so we probably won't get all through them, but uh, thank you so much. Um, it wasn't a question at all, but a bit of love from Dave Shaw. Love of Monday Wolves report after a win. Looking forward to it. Hope you're enjoying it, Dave. Thank you for being part of the show. Um, positive one so far, tongue in cheek from John T. Daz, has everyone renewed their passport? Well, Nokia has. <laughs> Nokia's got, Nok, got his tag on for another twelve months, so it'll just be, it'll just be Daz. But th this kind of sort of humour, Daz, though, embracing the moment. I mean, four weeks ago, we wouldn't have seen this coming, and beating four, playing some good football, beating the best team in the world, good show in a local derby, and got away and home from turning it round. It's a nice time to be a Wolves fan again, Daz. Yeah, and it's been. As we said, such a traumatic time in the summer when everybody, including myself, were fearing the worst. And that could still happen because, as we said, it changes a lot in football very quickly and get a few injuries and it could still get a bit sticky. But just enjoy it. Enjoy the fact that we look like a decent team and it feels as if we've actually got, as uh, Matt Hobbs said, a very good, young, uh, hungry, intelligent, modern head coach, if you want the phrase, and his team as well. So let's just go with it and see where we end up. But the sooner we can get to that 32, 33 points for me, then we can really start enjoying the season. So as soon as we, as soon as we get to that, then party time. Uh, John C, thank you for your question and being part of the show. Moving on to uh, tonight's second question. Steve Lees asks, this season's aim was for survival and may still be, but is it time to look at the table What's achievable now and what should we go for in the FA Cup? Great question. I'm a sucker for an FA Cup. I'm a sucker for any cup. I was six months old the last time Wolves won a major trophy. Hard one for me to remember. So I'd love them to win absolutely anything. Knocker, how far can this team go this season? And are we going full strength in the FA Cup? It's a stinker of a question to put you in, but off we go. I think 
My head tells me we'll finish around about where we are now. I don't think we're going to pull up any trees and, and start towards the top 10, but I think we'll finish in this kind of position, maybe with two or three places either side. And for me, that that's a that's a good season based on where I thought we'd go. In terms of the FA Cup, I'd love an FA Cup run. When we got to the semi-final a few seasons ago, it was absolutely magnificent to be winning them games. A Man United home game when we've, we've put two past them. Um, it's a very difficult competition to win now, especially with the size of the squads that, your man, you know, his man cities, Liverpool's, etc. have got, and it's a competition they go after. But I think if we can kind of get to January and we sat, you know, maybe we've broke that 20 point barrier, maybe we're hovering around 22, 23 points, then you'd like to think we'd have a right good go at it. But it's a really hard competition to get to get too far in. I mean, I am still a bit aggravated that we rolled over so easily for Ipswich in the second half. However, I feel I feel like Gary's done a lot of making up since then. He's took us out for dinner. You know what I mean? He's 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 done a lot of nice things since then. So if this is just going forward and that's a sacrifice that we had to make, then so be it. So um your your take on the rest of the season as you're looking at it now, Daz, in terms of the league and the a possible FA Cup run. I want to know what happened with Gary O'Neill after this dinner. We were heavy petting with it, weren't we? At that oh, point. definitely heavy petting with relegation. Uh, listen, just, it, it's promising. No one's getting carried away because we've played like nine matches. Uh, and I think statistically, the, 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 the clever people showed it was the, the hardest start to a campaign. We've done really well so far. We've got something to build on now. We're not so wide open anymore. We look solid. We're starting to score goals. Not many, but we're starting to score some goals. We look a threat. We're playing some decent stuff. So just that'll do for me. And like Nocky said, if we could just, just not be in relegation trouble, we can actually go along to a match like Saturday, for instance, where it's not like nuclear if we don't win it. Do you know what I mean? Which yeah. means you've got more, more chance of winning it because you haven't got that fear of what happens if you lose it and, but it's nice to get to enjoy some Premier League football again rather than just swimming against the tide, which is what we've been doing for the last 18 months or so. He's he's definitely bought, well, O'Neill, his coaching staff, the team, and they've bought themselves a bit of a gap, haven't they, with some good performances and good wins. And now we may, we may see a little bit more flowing football. I thought the second half football was, was fantastic, to be honest. It was, it should be against 10 men. You should be dominating the ball, but it was... I talked about that little triangle on the left-hand side, the little the little stop, stop and tap from, from Cunha. Ain't Nori getting involved, Hwang being involved. Maybe there's more of that to come, and hopefully so. But um, thank you for there's opening some, up. Sorry, mate. There, there's some wretched teams in this division. So it is an opportunity to maybe have a look at it and think, can we have a bit of a cup run? Because I, you look at the teams that are down there now, we've got to be better than three of them. I mean, there's some, the standards are really poor in the, in the bottom sort of three or four places. So if ever you, you fancied a bit of a run at an FA Cup, now's probably the time. Uh, I was just going to say, Ryan, that it's kept where he can. It's been settled, hasn't it? I know there were the two enforced changes at the weekend, and that's the only changes eventually that, that, that were made. Um, so it's, I think just the very fact it's a settled lineup, and I don't think it's any coincidence that teams, unless you're Manchester City or one of them, like we've got. 30 world-class players or whatever it is, if you keep a settled line-up, week in, week out, give or take, I think you'll get settled results, consistency. It's like any job. If you're working with the same people day in, day out, you get to know each other inside out, don't you, and get to build these little relationships and little partnerships. 
Uh, thank you to Steve Lees for allowing the podcast to dream about what may lie ahead in a positive way. Thank you, Steve, for being part of the show. Um, loads of the other questions, which we'll go on to, are involving the team selection and problems. So we'll move on now to um, the possibilities and the positive problems that Gary O'Neill has going ahead into Saturday's tea time game against Newcastle, high-flying Newcastle United. Um, and we'll keep the questions going, as I think it works out quite well. Jonah asks, is there any way we can include Juan, Cunha, Neto and Sasa in the same 11 if we're still playing a back five, or will he have to revert to a back four? Now, I think this is a question not for Newcastle, but it's a general question. Daz? I don't think, again, um, it's not an 11-man game anymore. It's and it's it's quite you know it's interesting when people sign someone and I say well who's he going to replace football ain't like that anymore and I said try and keep a settled team wherever you can but you've got five people you can bring in off the bench during a game and it's a long season so ideally every manager will say that they want two quality players for every shirt every position and that's where we've got to move towards and when you've got that that isn't a problem that is that's utopia for managers and so players horses for courses certain players for certain situations as we found out at half time on Saturday that's not a problem that, that's wonderful the more good players we've got the better team we're going to have the better better season we're going to have for me thank you Jonah for contributing to the show um Daz sorry Noki moving on to Westy's question should the midfield two be Lamina and Gomez or Doyle and Lamina, or maybe a three against Newcastle in there. Thank you for your contribution, Westy. Uh, for me, it's still Lamina and Gomez at the moment. I think Doyle's a player who will start getting a lot more minutes now because he can show him what he can do, but he needs space to play. So I, I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't put him in for Gomez at this period in time. And I probably wouldn't go three at the moment either because then you're pushing maybe Gomez slightly wider. So I'd stick with a two and I'd stick with what's working at the minute. So Doyle, We'll get into that side at some point, but for, for now, I'm definitely sticking with Lamina and Gomez. I mean, it's a great question, and I think Tyler made this point as well in terms of we see the best against of Lamina against superior opposition, and I would definitely call Newcastle a superior opposition, Champions League team, going well in the Premier League. They're the side that are probably technically better than us. They've got more gifted players, and that's when you get the best out of Lamina and Joe Gomez, and that's why I think it'll be those two again, not... That might be harsh on Doyle, but as you, as Daz said, it's a squad game, and as you said there, Noki, it's this is, it's this is what we're the team against Villa and against Manchester City. So for me, you go with that, and then you've yeah. got the option again of Doyle. You've got the option of Kalajic any point during the game, haven't you? If, you know, if and when you need them or want them. But I, I think it'd be very harsh to move away from the game plan that we had against Man City and Villa because it worked really well. Uh, thank you, Westy, for your contribution. Um, Greg is on the same sort of topic. After his performance yesterday, do you think Tommy Doyle should get more games? He gives us something different, quality on the ball. Absolutely. I think this is just um, confirming what we just talked about then. It looks to me, I mean, I wasn't sure about Tommy Doyle, didn't really know a lot about him, but I've seen he's assisting his goals for Sheffield United in the Championship and they look great. But he looks a very technical footballer. That pass alone to split the midfield um, to, just to send Neto away was absolutely fantastic. Is that a game against? Is that something against Newcastle? I think he'll do. Probably not. Is it a game for Sheffield United away? Maybe so. Um, so but yeah, yeah, it, it feels like a, where, where he's going to open teams up a little bit more. Greg, thank you for being part of the show as always. Um, 
moving uh, i mean just repeating this i'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to answer it again but but i want to credit the question do you think it's time for tommy Doyle to come in um for gomez against newcastle after his second half performance carl i hope we've explained so far but thank you for your contribution um moving on now to the team selection itself um particularly the center midfield i think we're probably all in agreement here paul nichols asks uh, to start in midfield i think i'm going to go Jao gomez and mario lamina as daz has said it's it's what worked well against Man City, what worked well against Villa. Noki, are you, are, you, are you on the same page there? Yeah, I, for me, it's the system we need. We need to be disciplined in midfield, so you want them to, in here. No, I, I don't think I don't, this is a, a particularly difficult question, and I don't mean it disrespectfully, Daz, but the change is probably the team should probably revert back to type, and it'll be Nelson Samedo um, in for, for, for Matt Doherty. I'd have thought so, yeah. But again, all, all the people who suggested that Doyle could play. I'm not against the idea. He's a terrific footballer, and it, it may well see them at some point during the game. But if, from my personal opinion, is you go back to that team who did so well against Man City and Villa because there'd be no need to change it because they've done so well against two high-quality teams. But that's, I wouldn't be like pulling what's left. Actually, I've got nowhere to pull out, but I wouldn't be like shaking my fist at the moon come half past four on Saturday if I heard that Doyle was playing or Kalajic were playing. And it's just good that they've got a few options like this now. And again, he'll be studying Newcastle, their strengths and their weaknesses. And he might pull a complete rabbit out of the ad that nobody saw. He might go to a back four. It could be anything. But you'll know it's not just the case. It's not just a Tom Bowler with some managers. Like he'll do. You'll know that whatever he does, there'll be a reason for it. Whether it works or not, there'll be a reason for it up here. Yeah. Well, it's... There's an interesting scenario. Wolves have got a week off. Um, Newcastle on Wednesday night play against Borussia Dortmund. It's a massive Champions League game. It's in James's Park. Um, most trips are long trips from Newcastle. It's a, it's a long way down. But So they're, they're not even thinking about Wolves as yet. Obviously, the deep progression into Champions League for Newcastle. Then they'll think about Wolves. They've got a couple of hours extra um, in terms of recovery time because it's a, it's a, it's a sort of uh, tea time kickoff. But, Noki, are, are we looking at these players then that can that can make it pay? later on in the game because obviously it's a huge game against Borussia Dortmund. Are we talking about, can we save these players like Bubakar who've got legs late on? Is this is this in the thinking? I think so. And I think if you spoke to Newcastle fans and offered them a win out of Wolves or Borussia Dortmund, they're taking the Borussia Dortmund game. All ends like up that as well. They want to progress. So <laughs> I think... I don't think he'll over he'll overcomplicate it. I think he'll go with what he thinks will work, which will be the settled back three that we've got now. The two wing backs, I think Samada will come back in because he's he's the better option, although Doherty did well fit. last week. And he's if he's fit to play and he can he can get up and down. Lamina has to come back in. I think he's our most important midfielder. And I think you stick with Gomez as well. And then the rest pick themselves really. So you you've got players who you can bring on to impact the game to, later on. You yeah. can bring Golajic on. So I, I don't see why you'd upset that because it's a system that works against against good sides. One thing that is worrying me, by the way, if we end up playing on Christmas Eve, Santa's a Wolves fan, so what's he going to do? That's That can't happen, surely. That, that, well, yeah, that's what, what's going to happen. I mean, I'm going to get my Christmas shopping from the Asda. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's going to work out well. Get the shopping, get yourself away. That's worked exactly. out. <laughs> There'll be a few Christmas rows if that one kicks off at, on Christmas Eve. Well, I've got a feeling there setting it up for it to be that game because there's a lot of noise from national press, local press, talk sport have been talking about it. I think everyone knows it's probably going to be that game but they've not made it official. Maybe they're just putting the toe in the water to see, but 
I mean, if it does happen, we can't comment yet because we, we don't know for definite, but I think that will be a, a disgusting decision where, once again, fans are clearly not thought about. And I don't really care about away fans, but I care about Christmas. And there'll be Chelsea fans with family who've got young kids. And it's it's a ridiculous predicament to put them in, particularly last year when there was rail, rail strikes and all kinds. But anyway, we'll, get, we'll find out next week if that's on and I can have a proper whinge about it then. But for me, that will be a disgusting, disrespectful decision. It may work for some people, young, single people that want to go out Christmas Eve, great, it works for them. But for people who've got kids, like all three of us, then it's a no-brainer for me. Daz may have to work. I probably won't go to that game if, that, if, that, if that's the case. And I think it's it's a terrible predicament to put people in. Um, but moving on then to the prediction part of the show, Noki, um, you've come really close recently. Tyler had a strop last week because uh, we didn't call out his prediction to play the violins and throw the confetti in the air. Noki, give us your prediction for Wolverhampton Wanderers v Newcastle United. Really difficult game. Um, I fancy a 1-1 because it's usually 1-1 against Newcastle. So I, I think it, I, I fancy a draw and I'd absolutely be delighted with a draw. I think that would be progression for us. Um, and I think Huang, because he's got previous against these. Does Mick Pope, if you're watching, you can't bring people down in the penalty area. Actually, you can. Um, I'm, I'm going with knock it. 1 1 1 Dawson. Oh, I like that. Can, can we have it? We're going to have it Dawson as an equaliser because it would feel better if we equalise than not taking the lead. Yeah, can you, you confirm that? Um, I'm going to go with. I keep not saying Cunha and it's working out. And ever since I've not said it, Wolves haven't lost. So Cunha's not going to score and Wolves are going to draw 1-1 with Huang He Chan. This has been episode 76 of the Wolves Report. Thank you to BBC WM's Daz How You can join him every live game and hosting for midweek and Saturdays. Also joining for the football phoning from six o'clock on weeks, midweeks. And also thank you to our club captain, Mark Nock. Join us again next week after Wolves have beat Newcastle. Bye, one, one. Awesome.